What's up, everybody? Matt Kajeski here, back again with the Odd Shopper channel. Today, we're talking some college basketball. It is February the 29th. Happy Leap Year. And we have a lot of greasy games today. I'm not going to sugarcoat this, but we're going to talk about them. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. We're also brought to you by BetMGM. They have a limited time deal for those of you residing in legal states, with the exception of New York, Puerto Rico, and Nevada. What you'll do is click the link in the video description below, make your first deposit of at least $5, turn that around, $5 wager on any team, total, market, whatever you want. If it wins or loses, you're still getting $150 in the form of bonus bets. You must be 21 or older to play. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. But it's $150 you didn't have. You can use it for tournaments, March Madness, anything else you like. It's there. Link below. All right. Circling back to yesterday, had an awesome day. Really, very few blemishes. North Texas got there. Bucknell got there. Louisiana Tech got there. South Carolina got there. Rest in peace to the narrative bros. They take another L. You guys, <laughs> I, I need to tilt something. So it was a great day, but... I have to get this off my chest. Providence Marquette under missed, as did Tennessee Auburn. Two unders we were taking. The Providence Marquette one is about 20 points off of pace at halftime. The best player in the game, Tyler Kolick, gets hurt. The second best player in the game, Oso Igodaro, two fouls immediately. Third foul immediately in the second half on a technical. Third best player, Devin Carter, essentially a a season low in terms of points. And these two teams combine for basically 100 points in the second half. This is going to happen in college basketball. Sometimes you just run into the streakiest shooting performances. And when you're on a total like that, it's really frustrating, but it happens. You see the walk-ons come into the game for Marquette at the end. It was already cooked by this point, but walk-ons burying threes. Sometimes this is just the way it goes. So not happy about it, like the process, but at the same time, it's a volatile game we play. We're going to have to deal with this from time to time. Let's move forward. The slate tonight, depending on what you like, may be more your flavor, and it may not be. The best game is probably an Ohio State team that fired their head coach against a bubble team in Nebraska. I'm not sure. You could maybe argue it's a Pac-12 game. Probably not, though. So we've got mid-majors on deck and a lot of them. We're going to kick things off with Bryant taking on UMass Lowell. Weird game. Told you we're going to talk a lot of mid-majors. Like an under 161 and a half, this is going to move a little bit, I presume. The pacing in this game is pretty fast, so you're going to have to contend with that. This could be like a Marquette game last night where you have two really bad teams that just play fast. If they hit their shots, you could be cooked here. But I want to focus on these two teams being very bad. And very bad on offense is where I think we need to start. Bryant. Overall, as soon as my screen loads, all right, here we go. 285th in offensive efficiency, UMass Lowell 139. So you've got one decent offensive team, one horrific offensive team. It hasn't gotten much better for Brian in recent play. They've actually dropped to 281. UMass Lowell, they are 105th in recent offensive efficiency. But you do have a Brian team that's pretty strong on defense. So 70th overall that counteracts the strength of UMass Lowell, which is their offense. And the way they're comprised, I think they're kind of uniquely built to stop UMass Lowell, who cannot shoot threes, and they don't try to either. They're 300th in three-point percentage. 
345th in three-point rate. They live inside. They're 61st there. But Bryant is 14th in interior defense. 14th. Very good team inside defending the interior. You do have advantages in the glass for UMass Lowell. They do get second chance opportunities. So even though they will miss some shots, they attack the glass just fine. And they have a slight height advantage. It's 281 to 347. So nothing drastic there. But I love that Bryant, their strong defense contends with the strong offense of UMass Lowell. And then from there, Bryant just has so many troubles scoring that I don't really see this being an area where they succeed anywhere. They try to shoot threes. They're 150th in three-point rate. But UMass Lowell is 12th in three-point defense. So you have to contend with that as well. Pacing, it's fast. Be aware. But right now, the strengths of both teams kind of working into the strengths of their opponents on defense. So we'll back a greasy under with Bryant, UMass Lowell, 161. Next up, we go to Merrimack taken on Fairley Dickinson, tournament heroes from last year against Purdue. And Merrimack is a team, I think, which is severely undervalued in this spot. Minus three is the number we're looking at. This team is sort of imbalanced. They're not great on offense, but they're 51st in defensive efficiency. Fairley Dickinson doesn't do anything well. They're outside the top 300 in almost everything, and they're just 299th in rebounding, so they barely clear that threshold. You just have advantages in almost every point of the game for Merrimack. Height, 246 to 352. Offensive efficiency, they're a little worse, but they actually have an edge in effective field goal, 231 to 281. Inside, they have a massive advantage. We mentioned the height, but this team is 92nd in interior scoring. Fairly Dickinson is 276 defending that area of the floor, and they're also terrible defending the three. They're 304 there. It's just that Merrimack doesn't shoot threes all that well and then on defense this is not even close the one efficiency metric that borderlines the top 50 for either team it's Merrimack's defense they're strong inside 26 76 from three they force a ton of turnovers fifth in the country at turnovers forced fairly Dickinson is 178th at turnovers committed that's actually kind of a strength for both teams forcing turnovers whereas their opponent commits a lot of them so that's sort of a wash but this defense really stands up against better opponents. And then just from a player personnel perspective, you have so many better players for Merrimack. Again, we've talked about this. EvanMia.com, amazing resource for college basketball. You can sort by conference, look at Bayesian performance rating for each of these teams, and it sort of lets you see how these teams stack up against each other. Merrimack has the number two player in the conference, Devin Savage. Number three, Jordan Derkak. Number four, Jacob O'Connell. Number nine, Adam Clark. Number 10, Brian Atunmu, number 18, Jordan McCoy, number 26, Saba Diallo. What does Fairleigh Dickinson have? They have one player in the top 10, Sean Moore, and only one more player in the top 30. That's Ansley Almanor. Whereas you have seven players in the top 30 for Merrimack. Just vastly different level of talent for these two teams. I'm surprised this is within like five points, let alone three, which is readily available in this spot. So we'll take Merrimack minus the three. Next up, we have San Diego taking on Loyola Marymount. This is one that doesn't make sense to me. I think you can find seven and a halfs out there just fine. I'm seeing them all over the place this morning. It's basically an injury handicap here. Dominic Harris and Kelly Lupepe have been out for Loyola Marymount. They're two of the starters for this team. Dominic Harris, he's not... Great in terms of efficiency metrics. He ranks 44th for this team. But on the other side, you don't really have any injuries of consequence. 
And Lupepe is an awesome player for this team. Just for reference, like Dominic Harris leads this team in scoring. And Lupepe is not far behind him, but he gives you a ton in the rebounding area. And he's actually a better player overall in terms of his Bayesian performance rating. And San Diego State's not that far behind Loyola Marymount in most of these efficiency metrics. There is a pretty decent gap in offense, 248 to 135. But San Diego actually has the edge on defense. And then some of the little ancillary stuff, I think it's pretty close between these teams. Loyola Marymount plays a tall lineup, 65, but San Diego's 116. They're pretty decent there. So rebounding, yeah, I think there is a gap, but I don't think it's too sizable, even though these numbers would indicate it is. And then effective field goals close as well. It's 194 to 161. Neither team really scores well inside. It's 243 to 235. Both teams try to shoot threes, and it's close. San Diego is 92nd in three-point percentage. Loyola Marymount is 57. But you actually have the better three-point defense on San Diego. It's 140 to 179. All this to say, it's pretty close, and you're getting a seven and a half point spread in this spot, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Not to mention some of the recent play stuff actually favors San Diego. The Loyola Marymount defense has dropped to 308 in recent play, which, I mean, that's about 50 spots worse than where they were. Really tough for me to really back Loyola Marymount at this point with the injuries. And last thing I'll say here is just EvanMead.com, Bayesian performance ratings. These teams aren't all that different. You have four players in the top 40 for Loyola Marymount. You have three for San Diego and neither team has a player inside the top 27. So you're not looking at really high end talent here. It's just kind of balanced rosters with top 40 talent. And the differences aren't vast. You have a slight edge Marymount's direction, but I do not believe this is seven and a half points. So will Becker road team San Diego taking points in this spot. Next up. Cal State Fullerton takes on Long Beach State. This is one where we're looking at a total. It's another under. I promise we'll close with an over. But shop this one. This is important because I think you can get some value depending on the book. I'm seeing 148s, but not everywhere. Oddshopper.com. The link is below. It's the name of this channel. We have all sorts of tools that are going to help you with this. A lot of them are line shopping. You can sort by your state. You can sort by specific books if you only use a couple. And it's going to tell you where the best place to take these where it resides. And we have tools all in one package now, our market-based approach, which finds plus EV betting spots for you across sports, not just basketball, NHL, player props, whatever you like. And our Discord's now included. That's where the experts are giving you analysis after we use these tools. It's $14.95 for a week, $49.95 for a month. The link is below. I use this. It is very useful, and I think it will be useful to you as well. But as far as this game goes, try to find the 148s if you can. I think tempo is an issue. You've got one slow team in Cal State Fullerton, 269th. Long Beach State does play fast. They're 17th. But this goes beyond tempo. We have some offensive efficiency issues for both teams. Fullerton's just bad on offense, flat out. 300th, but they're pretty decent on defense, 150th. And it's remained consistent, really, since conference play started. This team doesn't have a lot of great players. And they have two players that are hurt. Not to mention, these are the two best players on offense. Max Jones, he is the highest efficiency rating on offense. Vincent Lee, he's not great overall. He's actually a really bad defender, but he is the second best offensive rating on this team. So your defense has been heightened. You have two players that are out, likely, that are your two best offensive scores for Fullerton for a team that can't score to begin with. Not to mention, Long Beach State, 215th in defensive efficiency. They're not terrible here. And... They really defend the area of the floor where 
Cal State Fullerton is decent. Actually, you know what? They're not bad against three or the interior for Long Beach State. But outside of the pacing stuff, outside of the injuries for Fullerton, we also have the highest rated efficiency rating on Long Beach State out in Marcus Sahonis. The transfer who came in, he has not played in a couple games. And I don't think we see him here. As far as this team goes, the offensive rating is 175. They've dropped to 182 in recent play, and their defense has improved. You see 215. Last six weeks, that's jumped to 160th. So this team actually does have some pretty decent defensive numbers, and effective field goal for both these teams outside the top 260 in the last six weeks. Neither team really shooting the ball well. With defensive strengths on both sides, I find this hard to believe coming in towards an over, and I'm not even sure pacing lines up. Generally speaking, when you have these fast teams facing off against slower teams like Fullerton, the slower team can dictate pace more than the fast team. It's not like a team that plays in the half court, you can force them to throw up shots early in the shot clock. Yeah, you can pace them up a little bit, but this is something I find pretty hard to believe towards the over. So we'll back and under here. Last one, those of you that want overs, we finally have one. Monmouth taking on Hampton. Pacing is the main thing here, and there's some efficiency stuff, but right away, 145 in adjusted tempo is Monmouth. Hampton is 58th. As far as recent play, the new tempo in the last six weeks for Monmouth, they've jumped to 110. That is solid. Hampton's remain fairly consistent, so nothing really to see there. We have seen pretty decent jumps in offensive efficiency for both teams. On the screen, you're seeing 177, 304. Those are year-long statistics. Last six weeks, Monmouth has jumped to 127. Last six weeks, Hampton has jumped to 274. Defensive efficiencies remain pretty consistent. Hampton, they're right around that top 300 mark, but Monmouth has actually dropped to 289. So that's something worth mentioning too. Decent pace, two teams that have been awesome on offense and improving, and then one defense that has gotten a little worse in Monmouth. But as far as the stylistics, how these teams match up against each other, on offense, you have a team that shoots a lot of threes in Monmouth. They're 209th in three-point rate, 75th in three-point percentage. Hampton is 183, defending that area of the floor. And then on the other side, it's actually pretty similar. Hampton shoots even more threes, and Monmouth's even worse at defending the three. They're 193rd there. Height advantages do work Monmouth's direction. And if they do decide to score inside, Hampton is 312th at interior defense. Not sure we'll see them try to do that. They typically haven't in the past. But I'll just say offenses that are improving and teams that are playing a little faster will look towards an over here. That'll do it for us today. Let me know in the comments what you think. If you have any questions, you can also reach out to me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. My DMs are open. We're just doing the video on Friday. Tomorrow, I'm traveling this weekend, so no Saturday, no Sunday. My apologies. We'll be back for the stretch run after that. Until then, good luck, everyone. We'll see you next time.